Welcome to the Rediscovering Biblical Manhood podcast. We're growing men who fear the Lord, but do not fear our identity in Christ. The enemy is hard at work in our fallen world. So come on, join us in fighting for the restoration of men's hearts through the church, the word, and our risen Savior, Jesus. Back in the booth, Jay Teresi, a couple of weeks away, and we are back into the topic of self-talk and the power of the tongue. Good morning to you. Good morning. Good to be back. So, Jay, um, the last couple of weeks, we've kind of been reflecting on this idea of how we speak to others, the power of the tongue on ourselves. Jay, today, you and I thought it would be best to start with ourselves when it comes to this idea of the tongue and talk. Yeah, self-talk in particular, and how we talk to ourselves is the theme of today's chat. And you know, the Bible has a ton to say about this, and I'm looking forward to getting into it because probably more than anything, this really impacts the outcome of our lives. So let's pray about that. Let's open up. Lord, thank you for this opportunity for Chica and I to chat. Thank you for all those that are able to listen in. Lord, our prayers that they would benefit from whatever discussion we're having and that as a body, we would continue to move forward in your larger story, God, participating in what you are trying to accomplish in this hour on this planet. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So, Jay, the Bible comes to us straight away and it says that negative self-talk specifically, and then we can flip this and talk about positive self-talk too. But the negative self-talk, the Bible says, can be the work of the enemy. It can be be our way of believing lies and experiencing unnecessary pain. Maybe we can start there, this idea of what is negative self-talk? Well, you know, for me, and again, I always like to point out, and Chica and I do, this is just Chica and I, this podcast, exploring our faith as men, trying to go deeper, trying to mature, trying to grow, trying to work out our faith, right? The Bible says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that doesn't mean be afraid of God and be scared. It means be in respect of the almighty power of the universe that you've discovered as you've come to Christ and be aware of that power and then grow and mature in it. Work out your salvation means grow and mature. You're not on this planet for a good time or for your self-pleasure. Like there's a purpose for you. Like when you come to Christ, you find out, oh, wait, wait a second. I was designed on purpose for a purpose for the hour that the Lord placed me in on the planet, in the geography he placed me in, even into the job he's placed me in, right? This thing gets pretty deep. And so when you come back to it and you think about self-talk and words and the tongue, you know, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about this, but James, I think, sums it all up very, very simply. He says, in the tongue is the power of life. Mm and death. Like that is the power of words, life and death. And Chica, that's what we want to explore, whether that's silent words you're saying to yourself, or you're even saying out loud to yourself, or words you're saying to other people or thoughts you're directing at them. James says, hey, be careful. There's a law in this universe that the creator God laid down. And those thoughts, those words that you speak, man, they have the power to bring life or bring death. Like how many of us, before we ever open our mouths or think a thought, think, well, this one's got the power to bring life or death to me. So, okay, let's go ahead and have it. <laughs> <laughs> I choose life today, Jay. No, I mean, I mean, you think as a parent, and this is, again, we, we want to be careful. We don't go down about pointing to others yet, um, but pointing to ourselves. 
I go straight to when I'm standing in front of a ball on the golf course and what I'm talking to myself about, right? I go to, and I grew up as, a, as an athlete, and it doesn't matter what sport you're playing, whether it was cricket or rugby like me or golf like we play now, Jay, this idea of self-talk, you know, psychology-wise can have a major impact on your swing, on your performance, on your entire game, depending on what mindset you've taken in. And so from a biblical standpoint, when you think about self-talk, Jay, and you think about standing over a golf ball, it's the same sign of question, right? Do, do you say, okay, Chica, okay, Jay, I'm about to breathe life into myself. You can do this and then swing. You know, it's so funny you bring up golf. And actually, I didn't even know you were going to do that. But, you know, decades ago now at this point, I really thought for about 22 seconds in my life, I'm going to be a professional golfer. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I was playing a uh, two bit college golf at a junior college and uh, it was really great time in my life. But I was deeply studying golf psychology. Uh, there was a guy named Bob Rotella back in those days. He was the famous golf psychologist. And it's so funny what you just said about self-talk. You know, one of the famous analogies is if you're standing over a ball and there's water anywhere on the hole, people always say to themselves, don't hit it in the water. Don't hit in the water. First of all, that's very negative connotation. But the, the other part of that is the image in their mind is water. And so their body's like, oh, hit it in the water. Okay, I got what you want me to do. And that ball is for sure going in the water when you start talking to yourself like that. But the, Bob Rotella used to say, don't talk about what you don't want to do and don't think about where you don't want to go because your body is reacting to that like that's what you want me to do. It's like pick a target, a very tiny target, and focus on that and let that be the last image in your mind and last thought and words you speak of yourself. My ball is going there. And it's amazing like how much that works. And it's amazing how hard that is to do because we really just want to stand there and take the negative stance and go, don't hit it in the water. And that ball's for sure going in the water. So this is like a microcosm of our lives. If you think about the thousands and thousands of thoughts that will go through your mind today or the words that will pass out of your mouth, you know, and we, we think back on Rotella's advice, how careful are we really being and thoughtful? Bob Rotella said, you don't have a thought or make a move on the golf course without being very precise and very careful. I wonder if I lived my life like that. I clearly have not, unfortunately, but I'm really trying to. <laughs> I wonder if I had lived my life like that for the last 30 years. What would what would be the story right now? I think we could almost wrap up and pray if any of the men listeners are probably like, man, I've just got to go out there and try that right now. It is Sunday <laughs> after all. Thank you, Jay. Um, you know, it's it's fascinating when you say that, pick a spot, right? Pick a spot. How many of us wake up every day, just as men, and we pick a spot? right? Um, when you walk into work, do you pick a spot? You know, when you walk into a conversation with your wife or your wife speaks to you, do you pick a spot, right? Or do you immediately go to thinking of this greater, uh-oh, I can't do this, or uh-oh, my behavior has been, or the circumstances have taught me, or the person has taught me how to work in this specific circumstance. And so I start looking at the water instead of the spot, right? It's a fascinating or interesting or curious even position or posture to take, Jay, because when I think about negative talk for myself, there's a couple of things that come up. Sometimes I would say that I choose the negative, and we can stay on the golf analogy for a second. Let's pretend I want to, I pick my spot and I want to hit it straight down the fairway and I skew it because I have this natural tendency to float my left-handed swing left, right? When the ball goes left and I kind of kick my own feet and say, Chica, what did you do wrong? Pause for a second. Is that about the ball really going left? Is that about me not performing in front of my friends? 
is that me not accomplishing what I wanted to do? And dot, 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 what is the root of that? For me, what I've learned over my life is that begins with pride right there. I didn't do what I wanted to do in front of who I wanted to do it in front of. And so therefore the negative begins to swirl a little because at the, at the root, it's pride. Yeah. Yeah. You know, back to the golf analogy, Bob Rotella would have summed all that up is you're so engaged in the potential outcome you have in your mind that when it doesn't go that way, uh, everything falls apart for you. And in biblical terms, and we've talked about it on this podcast a lot, you know, we, we think there's a major theme, like a larger story to life and a minor theme, a smaller story to life. The Bible really talks about it. The major story is what is God doing in the world? And the minor story is like, what's going on in my little life that I want to control? And, and as Christians, we're really taught like the minor story, the smaller story. Once you come to Christ, like that is not the point anymore. You are now a you know soldier in the army of the Lord, for lack of a better term, and you're you have a mission, and everything else that happens in your life, how much money you make or don't make or whatever, like, like that does not matter. All that matters is figuring out what is that mission the Lord had for me and getting on it. And if we bring it back to like your golf shot, if if your if your purpose on playing golf was to experience the joy of the Lord, being out in His creation, having as much possible fun as you could have with your friends. Um, sure, you'd love to lo shoot a low score, but you're not making a living doing this. How much more enjoyment would you have? And and this is going to sound quirky, even it relates to golf, but this is the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. And and God is everywhere, all times, outside of time. If you hit a bad shot and you said, Lord, any thoughts on that? Hmm. How different would the outcome be? Now, that a lot of people might have just seized up and they're like, you're going to ask God about your golf shot. I'm telling you, he is your partner. He's your ever-present help. And it doesn't matter what you're doing in your life, because when you seek the Holy Spirit, anything that he brings back to you is going to be tied to joy and growth and learning and wisdom. That's who he is to you. And I'll, I can testify that my best golf rounds have been the ones where when I've teed off, I've prayed over it and said, Lord, this is a great day. This is uh, thank you for bringing me to the cathedral of the golf course. For me, for a lot of men, that's like out in the wilderness. It's hunting or it's mountain climbing or some days I wish I was that sort of man, but I've really let that go. Like I'm not. But when I get out onto the golf course, like I feel the same. I believe that men feel when they're, you know, climbing Everest. Like I just love it. Like for me, that's where my my heart really comes alive out there. But I ruin it all the time <laughs> by, by trying to control the outcome, being caught up in the score I'm going to shoot, rather than just being like, that golf shot was so great. The joy of that golf shot is just going to ring true for me. And I don't really care what's going on out here. And by the way, when I have that posture, I shoot my lowest scores. Isn't that interesting? Mm, that's a good word, Jay. A good word. And, and it's very specific, right? Because playing golf for anybody on this podcast, I would say is like gravy on the mashed potatoes. If you get to play golf, you know, you're you're doing life or you're, or like you said, you're taking a sabbatical from life on a Sunday to go out into the wilderness and, and recapture or revive what it is that your soul is craving. And then there is the day-to-day -day life, Jay, because when I think about my work or you think about your work or listeners, when you are starting a new adventure and this idea of negative self-talk begins to take over, Jay, I would take the, the stand that sometimes that potentially comes from not pride but a lack of faith, a lack of faith that Jesus has you in this particular adventure or particular moment. And so I know that you and I have been going through this over the last few years and listeners, you've been joining us on this journey. Um, and, and when I think of this negative thought 
popping into my head, whether it's anxiousness, um, you know, I'm anxious about not making the money that I need to be making, or I'm doubtful, you know, Lord, are you in this specific adventure? Um, I think of the the scripture from Hebrews that says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And then you also think of this idea of you of little faith, why are you so afraid? As, as Jesus said to the disciples during the terrible storm, that negative context has a completely different talk for me, Jay, in my, in my self brain. And again, listeners, if you don't know about the little voice in your head, it's that voice that just said, what little voice in his head is he talking about? That's the little voice that I'm speaking about. Jay, when it comes to moving off the golf course into life, how does negative, um, self-talk affect you? Well, you're, you're touching on some incredible themes here when you talk about pride and in, in, in some of the things you were building on. And this is why I love the Bible so much because it really interconnects and intersects and you can start to put things together. I think first, when you think about the power of negative talk, let's remember how God created the universe and the world and all of us. He spoke it into existence. He spoke all through the first chapter of Genesis. Go count how many times God spoke and, and then said it was good. And it'll really come back to you like, wait a second, words are powerful. And this universe has laws. God created laws into this universe. And one of them is the power of words and thoughts to shape outcomes. And humans, we have been granted the power. Even if you don't believe in Jesus, like there's just things that are lingering rules in the universe. That's why if you go out and you read the book, there's all the kinds of secular works about power of your words to shape your life. And then also humankind has known this for a long time. And so in the New Testament, it says, hey, you are commanded, commanded to take your thoughts captive. Take your thoughts captive because they're so powerful. You got to be careful. Otherwise, you'll give the devil a foothold. And then it ties back to, but I, I get nervous. I'm worried about my life. I got to control, right? And mm. so like you said, well, am I going to make enough money? What's going to go on here? That is not having the faith of a mustard seed. Because when you come to Christ, he says, hey, have freedom. Like, don't worry. Like, look at how I feed the birds and take care of the grass. And like, aren't you more important to me than that? Like, you don't have to sweat it. You can't know how it's going to turn out, but you can know it's going to be okay if you follow me. And like, we don't like that answer at all because we're like, no, 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 I want control. And then, and then the Bible says, yeah, but, but right now you can't have that. You see through a, a glass darkly, like you, you can't know the outcomes, but don't worry, just have faith in me. It'll be okay. And we're like, no, no, no. There's that pride. <laughs> I want, I want a nice little life. I'll wrap it up by saying my, my oldest daughter and I, I had the opportunity to go on a date Friday night and hang out. Uh, my wife's out serving uh, widows at a retreat. And one of my sons was is living with my folks now to watch over them. They're older. And another one was at work. And my daughter was at a friend's house. And so we watched the movie Midway about World War II and the, the attack of Midway. And at any rate, we're watching the Battle of Midway. And, you know, there's planes diving and men sacrificing and doing crazy stuff like you just it's unimaginable and she kind of looks at me and she's like where can i find a man like that these days the way these guys are talking and the sacrifice they're doing and the power of their words like we're gonna win does it and uh, i'm like you know hun i i don't know um something you said just a second ago i just want to ask you i'm going to draw a line in the sand right now and listeners check this one out when you think about being confident in your self-talk 
right? Oh, I'm falling down this negative spiral. I've got to positively build myself back up. What is the line, Jay, for you between being confident and having positive self-talk and this idea of not being humble with your self-talk and being arrogant? I think as I increasingly grow, it comes back to which story am I living in? So when I think about those guys at Midway and when my daughter asked me that question, those men all had a life and children and things they wanted to do, but they knew they were caught up in a larger story and they were willing to sacrifice everything. And that caused them to get on these aircraft carriers, to get on planes and go out in the middle of the ocean and dive bomb another plane, knowing I'm probably not going to live, but I'm going to do it anyway, because this is, I, this is important and it's bigger than my life. And it's the larger story. And for me, I, I often get caught up in the smaller story. I want to build a nice little careful life with a large retirement plan and no illness and no cancer and no blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and I think that is very prideful because I lose sight of what is God really trying to do here? And I start using my words to try to create my own little kingdom, my own little place in the world where I can just be left alone and pulled away and don't bother me. I just want my joy and my peace and I don't want too much pain or pressure and I use my words in that way. And, and unfortunately, when I'm living in the smaller story, that's about me and focused on me and my words and my thoughts and my actions are going to hurt other people, even if I don't want them to, because I'm trying to get something rather than offer my strength to the larger story in whatever way God wants to use it. And if how God wants to use it is not the way my little story would be. I'm not famous and don't have my 15. I don't. What if God says, Jay, you're going to live an extraordinary rambunctious life, but you're not going to have any money and you're going to go broke like 15 times and you're going to get cancer and you can do all this stuff, but I'm going to take you on an extraordinary journey. And I'm like, no, no. Let's just think about the life of Paul for a minute. Paul had a safe little life. He was famous. He probably had a wife and children. He was a young Pharisee, more important than most of them. This guy's career is killing it. And he comes to Christ on the road to Damascus. Now let's look at the rest of his life. The guy gets beaten with an inch of his life a bunch of times, tossed in jail. He's poor a bunch of times, gets bit by a snake, shipwrecked. This guy's life is a train wreck on paper. And then he gets a, then he gets you know killed before you know we would say too young after he's been in jail for two years. Like, but would we say that Paul lived an extraordinary life? But actually think about living his life. Like, would that be something any of us would sign up for? Or would we be like, no, no, it's cool. I'll just take like my little field in the corner and it's all good. I, I love that you bring up Paul, Jay, because I've been thinking about how do we close, how do we land this plane, and what's the action um, for this negative self-talk? And I think I've got some ideas. So firstly, you brought up, on the golf course, talking to the Holy Spirit, right? And knowing that that spirit's going to be faithful to the repentant believer, um, especially when it comes to negative thoughts. And then you just brought up Paul. And I think of what Paul mentions in Philippians when he says, you know, think about things that are true, that are noble, that are right, that are pure, that are loving, that are admirable, that are excellent and praiseworthy. And when we define those specific thoughts, um, or when we think about as being a believer, and when a negative thought comes to mind, we need to put on the cap of we have the mind of Christ, right? First Corinthians says, for those who have understood the mind of the Lord, so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. And so I thought as we close this specific um, podcast around self-talk, Jay, maybe we, we look into ways or we look into scripture that can talk us through how if we struggle with this, how do we basically overcome the negative 
self-talk. And so listeners, maybe this is something you can pause and write down in terms of sticking on post-it notes around your car or on your golf bag or tattoo on your wrist for the day that you're about to walk into something that you know you need to go and repeat to yourself. But I think of when we when we think of renewing our mind, that that is really where we need to begin. Um, when we think about overcoming that negative self-talk. So Romans 12, 2, Jay says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then, and only then, you can know God's good, perfect, and pleasing will for your life. So that would be the renewing of the mind. Then the second kind of thought process here with negative thoughts, and this is so cool because for me, I lived in the self-help world for a number of years, and it was always about you can do this, you can do that. And that's actually why I jumped away from that world was because I realized that as my faith grew and I matured, it wasn't the self-help book that says you can overcome everything but the Lord. And so when you think of that that reprogramming, we need to learn a new language. So the second way that I would say overcoming a negative um, period of self-talk would be to learn that new language. And it comes from John 6, which is, Lord, to whom shall I go? You, Lord, have the words of eternal life. And so once we learn that new language, it's then all about changing the focus. And so, Jay, I know that you and I have spoken about this on a number of different occasions where we talk about setting your minds on things above, not just earthly things. How do you or what would be some 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 scripture, Jay, that that pops into your mind when you think of changing your focus, when you think of countering the negative? What I'm working on in my life right now and, you know, I've had, I wrestled clinical anxiety for decades, a uh, lot of bad choices, addiction. I've been through a lot of stuff and I realize how much of it now is tied back to these thoughts and words. And, and so now what I'm trying to do every day is speak the words that are aligned with the kind of man I want to be. And the kind of man I want to be is someone who is fully devoted to Christ and sacrifice my life as galatians 2 20 says crucify myself so that he can live his life through me and i can be part of the larger story i'd say maybe i'm getting that right five or ten percent of the day right now and i'm that's really what the lord's dealing with me on chica is i'm really focused on my words and thoughts need to reflect the kind of person i envision myself to be and and that can be um like you said in the self-help world that's the same direction they give right to non-believers except for now i am tying that identity to Jesus Christ and me being his disciple. And so when I use that perspective, if I'm at work and everybody's anxious in the room about results, are we going to make plan? Are we going to make plan? I'm like, it's, we're okay. Everybody's okay. This is going to be okay. You know, and it gives me not a false confidence, but a true confidence because I know everything's going to be okay in my marriage with my kids, even if the storms are raging around me. When I cling to the identity of who I want to be, when I believe that I am in Christ, I am in Christ. He now lives his life through me, through me. I, there is nothing to fear. I, I finally, finally, Chica, have come to the place where I understand why he says, you don't need to fear or be anxious. It doesn't mean everything's going to look okay at a given moment in my life. It might not. It could be burning down around me. But if I cling to who I am in Christ, I can then use words and thoughts that not only bring me life, but life to those around me. Because anytime we're in a crisis, we are never in the crisis 
alone. And when we're never alone, then God's got the opportunity to use us to bring healing and life to somebody else. Wow. I think we should close there, Jay. Listeners, if you didn't catch that, I mean, put on your armor and then just have faith. Jay, thank you for that demonstration and that love for Jesus. Heavenly Father, as we wrap today, we just we call on you to open our minds and open our hearts to your spirit this week as we walk with you. Lord, we know that that the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion looking to devour ourselves and it starts with the way that we speak to ourselves so lord we ask that you keep us on guard this week and that when we think about anything lord we think about whatever is true whatever is noble and whatever is pure in you and we praise you lord and we think such things because we know that you are our word and you are the word we love you so much and it's in your son's name we pray amen